Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. All right, two quick things before we get up and rolling here today. Thing number one, you better believe in a few minutes' time, we're going to have a great, great celebration of the tremendous senior season for Georgia Jordan Davis that so many of you celebrated on social media the entire year while it was happening. And big night last night with him with two major awards. You better believe we're going to celebrate that in a big way here coming up in a moment. Also, here's the next thing I want to say before we kind of get really up and running uh, too much here today. It is my solemn vow to you that I will talk about two things in the program today and then I will not talk about them again until there is a relevant reason to bring them up. Thing number one, we'll get to this in a moment, is going to be the ongoing Georgia quarterback situation. I've been soliciting some feedback from some of you the last couple of days. We're going to put a bow on all of that here in a minute. Thing number two is what would potentially happen if Georgia gets a rematch with Alabama. There's a relevant reason to bring that up today, and after today, we won't bring that up again until Georgia actually secures the right to play Alabama again in a national championship game. Are you with me on this, and do you think that's fair? Let me say what needs to be said today in the aftermath, which has kind of lasted now for a full week, of what happened for Georgia against Alabama last Saturday, and we will kind of put a bow on all of this after that. Now, the reason why I bring this up today, Georgia-Alabama, the potential of a national championship game rematch, is it's time for Georgia fans just to sort of shake off the doldrums. It's time for Georgia fans to just kind of decide, and I, I like movies. I love the movie Ocean's Eleven. Not the, I mean, I like the original, I guess, too, that Frank Sinatra was in, but like the one from like, it's actually kind of old now, right? The one with George Clooney and Brad Pitt and all those guys uh, from a few years ago. Just kind of a fun, easy movie to watch. Kind of a caper movie. Uh, pretty well done. I enjoy it. There's a line that George Clooney uses in that movie that I, that I like. Talking about you know being a part of the plan and and uh, and you know being a part of the attempt to rob this casino. Clooney says, "You're either in or you're out right now." And I think for Georgia fans, there's a certain point where you have to kind of say the same thing. Obviously, you're disappointed that Georgia lost to Alabama, and in the aftermath of that disappointment, there's a motivation for some to say, well, I don't even want to see Georgia play Alabama again because I know what's going to happen when they do. Okay, so maybe you are a sage, and maybe you have seen the future, but you have to decide. For your New Year's Eve plans against uh, Michigan, are you going to watch the Orange Bowl, or are you going to watch the uh, ball drop from Times Square? When it comes to January, are you going to work on your New Year's resolutions? Or if Georgia's lucky enough to play Alabama, are you going to tune in and watch that national championship game? I don't mean this sarcastically. I mean this, re- I mean this legitimately and genuinely. You have to decide, are you in or are you out for Georgia in the college football playoff? And if you want to, if you're so overcome by the misery of what happened against Alabama that you're just out for the month of December and January, then uh, I guess good luck finding a hobby to, to pass your time right there. But I think most Georgia fans are ready to kind of buy back in again. I don't want to be, you know, hurt and embarrassed the way they were maybe after the game against Alabama, but I think they are justifiably, after a week of misery coming off the SEC championship game, they are legitimately ready to turn the page. And here is the thing you need to know, is that the people counting out Georgia the most right now, moving into Orange Bowl and the potential of a national championship rematch against Alabama, the people counting out Georgia the most right now are actually Georgia fans. Those kind of far removed from the uh, from the bubble of Dog Nation, they are not saying that kind of thing. Uh, far removed from the bubble of Dog Nation, they are weighing the preponderance of evidence 
that is the 2021 season. 12 regular season games with Georgia dominated and a 13th game, the SEC Championship, which Georgia got dominated. And the recent history doesn't matter more so than the previous history. It all kind of goes together and adds into a picture that is Georgia here in 2021. Now, let me give you an example of that. A lot of you know that I really like Mike Johnson a lot. He was my longtime co-host on SEC Country Live, and a couple of weeks ago he stopped back in there and made uh, another appearance as kind of a special guest co-host on SEC Country with us for a week, and there's a chance we're going to try to start doing hopefully more stuff with Mike from time to time when we can on SEC Country Live, but he popped on the phone this past week after his alma mater, the Alabama Crimson Tide, won the national championship. For those of you that aren't aware, Mike was an All-American there in 2009, also won a national championship with Nick Saban. So when it comes to the inner workings of the Alabama program, Mike saw all of that. He saw the transition from Mike Shula and the frustrations that Bama fans endured there to the great success that that Saban would be a part of on the team that first won the SEC West in 2008 and then the team that broke through and won a national championship in 2009. So the point here is this. Mike is as crimson and is it cream or white? I never really know. He, but Mike's as Alabama crimson as they come. Mike is, Mike is as dyed in the wool Bama as it gets. I mean, his... His, his, if you cut him open, he'd bleed houndstooth, right? I mean, he is Alabama as it comes. You know, he loves Alabama, makes no secret about the fact that he was cheering for Alabama in the SEC championship last Saturday. But when he popped on the phone with me on SEC Country Live on Wednesday, I asked Mr. Alabama, a guy that won a national championship there playing for Nick Saban, do you count out Georgia if the potential were to exist for a Georgia-Alabama rematch. Would you assume that Georgia has any chance to win that game? And the Alabama guy, Mike Johnson, gave an answer that I believe Georgia fans should hear. I don't even have any doubt. One of the good things that comes from a loss is the fact that the coordinators and the people doing the game plan can kind of loosen up what they're doing. You come off a loss, you're going, well, we lost with this last time. When you're 12-0, you're not going to change anything. You're 12-0, you just won 12 games. You're not going to do anything different. You know, hey, we are what we are. When you have a month to prepare and you're coming off a loss, I think that you can change a lot of things about what you're trying to do. You know, maybe move the quarterback around, maybe, you know, design a couple of different plays that you didn't have before. Uh, and Georgia fans, look, I'll take you back, you know, what was it, 2017, uh, you know, the Auburn-Georgia rematch during the SEC championship game. I mean, things played out completely different in rematches, especially with stuff on the line like there have been in those kind of games. So, you know, Alabama-LSU rematch from 2011, I go on and on about the second time that these teams have played in these series in the same season, and um, things are different because it loosens you up. It, you know, when you lose, you have to go back to the drawing board, and, and you know you have to do things differently the next time around. Maybe that's convincing to you. Maybe it's not. Obviously, the one thing that's just factually true that Mike brings up there is there is a history in college football of in the rare instances when you see rematches, oftentimes it goes the other direction sec title game in 2017 national title game in 2011 now there was also a rematch in the pac-12 title game this year and the same result happened uh both times but it's not a guarantee obviously that the team that lost game one wins game two but strangely enough the team that lost game one of these rematches does seem to win the majority of the time when they come back and play the second time because if no other reason it's hard to beat a team twice uh in, in the same season and that's just kind of the way that that goes there but my point in playing Mike there is not to convince you that Georgia will beat Alabama if they play again, nor is it even really to convince you that Georgia will get a chance to play Alabama again. My, my point in playing that audio is to simply say that people who follow this stuff closely and people who have a vested interest in another team in the playoff are not counting Georgia out, nor do I think UGA fans should be doing that either. So this is the last time I'm bringing this up. Un- 
until at least becomes relevant once again. Georgia is still very much alive in the race of the national championship. A guy who's as Bama as it gets says so, and Georgia fans should believe that themselves. That doesn't mean the season ends the way that you want it to, but what it does mean is the season ain't over yet. Now, I do realize, and now we'll transition to the other topic that I promised not to bring up again unless there's a relevant reason to do so. What is going on with Georgia at the quarterback position? And over the course of the last couple of days, I have solicited feedback from y'all about your fact-based arguments related to JT Daniels over Stetson Bennett, or for those that wanted to, related to Stetson Bennett over JT Daniels. Admittedly, the lion's share of the stuff that I got, whether it's comments on the website or tweets to me at Dog Nation Daily, admittedly, a lot of this was was related to the, the Daniels side. That's where the enthusiasm seems to be. We even brought Mike Griffith on a special day yesterday. Normally, Mike's with us on Wednesdays, wasn't able to be here that day, came on Thursday because obviously Mike is a well-known proponent for JT Daniels, and I wanted to give him his chance to argue that there as well. Now, here's the best thing I can tell as, as we look at the, the, the feedback that's been coming from Georgia fans related to this Georgia quarterback situation. Here's the best thing I can tell. There's kind of like four categories of information that I've gotten from folks about why it should be JT Daniels over Stetson Bennett. One of these categories I find to be pretty convincing. The other three I'm not as convinced by, and I'll explain why. So here's the one thing I hear. Daniels is undefeated as a starter at Georgia in comparison to Stetson Bennett, who's now lost twice to the Crimson Tide. Uh, JT Daniels has proven better to distribute the football to a weapon like George Pickens in comparison to a Stetson Bennett who has not been as effective at being able to do that. JT Daniels is way better in most games on third down than what, uh, than what Stetson Bennett has been. And some people just kind of show some video clips, things like that and say, Hey, just look at the way in which JT Daniels throws the football. This tells you all you need to know about what kind of quarterback he is in comparison to what they say are inferior passing skills on the part of Stetson Bennett. Now, three of those arguments have actually worked out not to be all that convincing for me. The argument about throwing the ball to, J- to, to George Pickens, the argument about what JT Daniels does on third down, the argument about just the fact that he is, by the eye test, a much more impressive passer. Those arguments actually don't convince me as much as maybe some of you might think they would, and I'll explain why in a moment. But the one argument that I do find pretty convincing, the one argument that does really stick in my head, and, and frankly, I think somebody ought to ask Kirby Smart uh, this question kind of the way it gets asked to me and other folks related to this entire discussion. Given the fact that Stetson has lost Alabama twice, given the fact that we haven't seen JT Daniels get his shot against the Crimson Tide, given the fact that the game against the Alabama, the SEC title game wasn't particularly close, isn't it time to maybe just try something different? Isn't it time to maybe just see if something else would work out different there in that regard? I do find that to be a pretty convincing argument. And I have to say that my preference would probably be to try something different. It just seems to make some sense that you would just, hey, just see if something else might work given the fact that you now saw an example of something else not working uh, in the uh, game there for the first Saturday in December. However, the one thing I am also open to that many of you are not, that understanding that sometimes a different attempt is a better attempt, if Smart doesn't do that, there must be some sort of reason that he's not doing that. And that's where I kind of get to some of these other fact-based arguments that you've sent me. And they, they, these are facts. JT Daniels is a better 
converter of third downs than what Stetson Bennett's turned out to be. JT Daniels has been better at distributing the football to a weapon like George Pickens. When Pickens has been healthy and when Daniels has been healthy, when they've been on the field together, uh, Daniels has done a better job of distributing the football to Pickens than, than Stetson Bennett has. That's a, that's a fact, and that's something worth considering. Plus, we can all watch JT Daniels throw the football, and we can all determine the fact that he clearly has some arm talent. But here's the thing this kind of comes down to, though. All you're really proving there is that JT Daniels is a better passer than Stetson Bennett, and he is. JT Daniels is a better passer. Georgia knows that. Georgia throws the ball more when JT Daniels is in the game. So when you say he's better on third down, he throws the ball to George Pickens more, uh, when you watch him and see the, the way he kind of throws that, it's pretty obvious that JT Daniels is a better passer than Stetson Bennett. But here's the problem you kind of run into here a little bit. That more passing has not necessarily resulted in more offense for Georgia in the games in which JT Daniels has been passing. That this notion that, well, Daniels the superior passer, therefore leads a more explosive offense. The actual results don't really quite speak that way quite so much. I mean, think about the, re- the record-breaking game that, that Daniels had against Mississippi State uh, in the 2020 season. Georgia scored, what, 31 points there that day? It's a ton of passing yards, but it's not necessarily a ton of points. It's not the kind of point total that would lead you to believe that Daniel's going to be capable of winning some sort of shootout game because in a game like that, even though he's just passing the ball all over the ballpark, it's still not resulting in a ton of points. And by the way, this is not Johnny-come-lately take. Back during the offseason, when we talked about what it was going to take for JT Daniels to take the next step as a quarterback, I said at the time, hey, if you take his small sample size in 2020 and extrapolate that over the course of a 15-game season, you see plenty of passing yards, you see a terrific completion percentage, you see um, a terrific yards per attempt number, but JT Daniels and over the course of those four games wasn't throwing as many touchdowns as the very best quarterbacks would when extended over the course of a full season. So we said that even during the offseason, that was kind of the next step for JT. Now, had he remained healthy for this full year, maybe he would have taken that step. But as it stands, we don't quite know how that would have turned out. But what we do know is this, is that Daniels did play in his Georgia career against teams similar to what he would be facing, at least on the defensive side in the college football playoff. Think about Cincinnati at the end of last year, who is a playoff team now, and think about Clemson at the beginning of this year. Uh, one of the best defense in the country, which kind of rivals what you might see from Michigan in the Orange Bowl. And the truth is, the performance for Daniels against the kinds of defenses that he's likely to see in the college football playoff does not scream that it's a miscarriage of justice that he's not playing quarterback for Georgia right now if he does remain on the vent, in the bench. I mean, if you look at the Cincinnati game and the Clemson game and combine them together, JT Daniels threw one touchdown and two interceptions in those two games combined against the kinds of defenses that you might see in the college football playoff. Now listen, there are all kinds of mitigating factors why this is potentially true. Playing with kind of like half a roster against Cincinnati, uh, JT Daniels himself might be uh, hurt in the Clemson game. You could go on and on about mitigating factors or excuses for why the numbers for Daniels weren't better. It's not my intention to kind of bang on JT here. What my intention to point out is, is that given folks three days to come up with all the facts that they could to support it being some sort of egregious miscarriage of justice that Daniels is currently on the bench, I just don't know that the numbers actually argue for that as much as they possibly would. Now, here's my final thought on this, and I promise 
I won't bring this up for a couple uh, for for many more days until it becomes actually a relevant topic worth discussing because smart shows uh, uh, a likelihood of maybe changing his mind or something like that. Some of you, when you hear this, are thinking, well, B.A., you're just going to support Georgia on this and you're just going to try to tell people what they want to hear. The honest truth is, is this isn't what people want to hear. What the majority of the people seem to want to hear right now is there's some sort of easy button that can be pushed and some sort of, you know, uh, you know, easy solution to the problems that plague Georgia. The same reason why people get taken by pyramid schemes and diet pills. They, they, they want to believe that there's some sort of easy path to greater success that's just beyond your, uh, you know, your field of vision right now, but you can grab it and, and life's going to be easy for you. The fact of the matter is life is not easy. Uh, the thing that maybe folks don't want to consider, which very well might be true, is it's not that Georgia's got a national championship quarterback sitting on the bench. Right now, Georgia just may not have a quarterback like that on its roster. It may not have a Bryce Young on its roster. It may not have a, you know, I, I don't know, C.J. Stroud or somebody like that, even though Stroud's not in the college ball playoff. It just may not have one of those guys on its roster. Now, that doesn't mean you give up on trying to win the national championship. It means you try to win the national championship the best way you possibly can, which, as I've said over and over again, is finding a way to get your offense into the 30s and finding a way to keep a team like Alabama in the 20s. And so ultimately, which of these two quarterbacks, Bennett and Daniels, is most capable of winning that kind of game, probably the only way that Georgia can win right now? Well, I don't know. But when you kind of frame the discussion there that way, there's reason to argue for Bennett. There's reason to argue for Daniels. But there's no reason to think that someone's being – you know, unfairly uh, evaluated in, in all of this, that these are the facts. Some of these facts may not be pleasant for all Georgia fans, that when you look on the Georgia roster right now, you simply don't see a Bryce Young. But as Mike Johnson said a moment ago, that doesn't mean Georgia can't win that game if they were to uh, play again. In fact, in 2017, with a very, you know, different kind of offense than what Alabama was wanting, Georgia came very close to doing that. Now, close ain't the same thing as winning, but in 2021, with a chance at Michigan and a chance against Alabama after that, I'm still willing to take my shot if I'm the, if I'm the dogs, regardless of which of these two quarterbacks is playing. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Hello to you, and thanks for being with us. Of course, we're presented today by Kroger, starting at 945 each and every morning on our first and 15, dognation.com and on the Dog Nation app. Also, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch after that. Uh, video at 10 a.m., Radio Noon, Athens Sports Radio 960 Ref, podcast, wherever you find them, including the world-famous dognation.com. Just glad to have you with us on the program. Of course, big thanks to Kroger for making it all possible. You know, Kroger got some great things going on right now and a great new program that you need to be aware of there, too. It's about Kroger Boost. Now, listen, Kroger Boost offers you more savings, more benefits, and a new level of membership. You can get free grocery delivery. You can get twice the fuel points, all kinds of great incentives there as well. And it only costs $59 a year. At least that's as, uh, you can find it as little as $59 a year. So check out Kroger.com slash Boost. That's the website, Kroger.com slash Boost, to learn more about that uh, today. A great new level of membership there at Kroger for as little as $59 a year. Check out Kroger.com slash Boost for a lot more on that. We've also got uh, Jeff Sintel coming up here in a moment. We'll talk some UJ recruiting with Jeff. A lot to get into as the 2022 recruiting cycle is in its final days. Now, some of these guys will kind of extend into the uh, month of February before they officially sign. But obviously, a lot of the hay in the barn officially coming up next Wednesday. Uh, big plans here around Dog Nation for all that. Jeff will give us some thoughts on that here coming up in just a little bit. Before that, though, I do want to go around the doghouse, delivered today by our friends at Marco's Pizza. And... I want to celebrate what was, 
a tremendous night for a Georgia player. Now, there's a lot of things that can be said right now. And obviously, so many Georgia fans were so kind to be a part of the hashtag JDNYC that we pushed all year long. And I, I loved the chance to kind of lead the way on that. I loved the way in which Georgia fans celebrated Davis. That was really fun. But at this point, I don't even want to kind of mention that because I just am grateful for the support that Georgia fans gave to Davis. But this really isn't about us here today. Nor is this really about the obvious truth. And my mind kind of wants to go here so quickly. And it's so easy to want to kind of gravitate towards, oh my gosh, imagine what it's going to do for UGA recruiting. When you got a Bednarik Award winner, when you got an Outland Trophy winner, imagine how that's going to benefit UGA recruiting to have that kind of commercial go alongside Nicobe Dean, who also won the Buckus Award. And for now, I kind of don't want to do that really either. I just kind of want to pause for a moment and just remark on what was as good a senior season as anyone could ever hope to have. I mean, can you imagine how much fun it would have been for Davis, who, I mean, I'm sure he had some folks, especially, you know, whoever type people, but I'm sure he had some folks telling him, oh, David, Jordan, you want to leave after the 2020 season. You want to go on to the NFL draft right now. You can be a, you know, whatever pick, maybe an early second round. You may even sink into the first round. Can you imagine if Davis had done that? And Maybe he'd be making some money right now and maybe he's enjoying his life. But imagine what he would have missed out on. Imagine the chance to, to have the fun that Jordan seemingly had each and every Saturday and then to put himself in like the historic category. And I'll show you this on the screen here. Jordan last night racking up the Bidneric Trophy for the nation's top defensive player and the Outland Trophy for the nation's uh, best interior lineman. And that, by the way, is on both sides of the ball. Can you imagine how enjoyable that must be to be able to celebrate both those awards here today? Like, this is a story about Jordan. It's obviously good for Georgia, and it's good for those of us who, who like UGA, and it's good for those of us who've kind of you know, participated in social media campaigns touting Jordan. I think all of that helped him in all of these all of these regards. But what an individual success story this is. To think about where Jordan was, where there were a lot of people that had no idea that Jordan Davis as a high school player would be going to turn out to be as good as he turned out to be in college. He has worked so hard every step of the way on this. And over the course of the season, Kirby Smarts obviously had so many good things to say about what Jordan brought to the table. There was one quote in particular, though, from a few weeks ago around the time that Jordan was kind of finally starting to get some of this attention for national awards. And uh, Kirby was asked to describe what it kind of feels like to be around Jordan Davis, what he thinks about Jordan Davis. And I think Smart's words here are the statements on JD that will probably resonate with me for many years to come, describing exactly what he thinks when he looks at big number 99. This is Kirby Smart. Godzilla-like. I mean, he's... He's, he's impactful. He buys into, uh, like, staying healthy and staying keeping his weight down. He's a really good player, and he's bought into that. He's like – he understands it's important. And the young man is under tremendous uh, microscope in terms of media. I mean, for a, for a D lineman, right? Maybe not for a quarterback, but for a D lineman. He's under a big microscope, and he's, uh, he does everything he can to the best of his ability. He works hard for us. Um, and he's been impactful in stopping the run and allowing us to play, you know, alternative coverages that you can't do sometimes when people can run the ball on you. So uh, he's definitely a bright spot. And more importantly, he's very, um, very entertaining in meetings and he's a great personality and people that don't know him should, should get to know him because he's got, he's, he's just fun and fun to be around and embracing. I love that the end from Smart. I think it's true. He's got a great personality. He's fun to be around. People should embrace him. 
In other words, I think guys like Davis are good for college football that it's okay to have fun. It's okay to enjoy being there. Like not everything, you know, has to be, you know, super serious stone faced or not everybody has to, you know, take themselves so seriously. Like you can just stop, appreciate the moment, enjoy yourself a little bit. Davis seems to be able to do that. I want more players in college football to be like Jordan Davis, whether they be big dudes or small dudes or whatever else. I just think Davis is good for college football. So I'm thrilled for him. I, I really am. And this is one of those things that benefit Georgia in a number of ways, I guess in a roundabout way, maybe even benefits me because we kind of you know participated in some of this with him. But ultimately, this is just a good day for him. And these kinds of success stories are really just the best that life has to offer. And so I, I'm thrilled for him. Uh, really, really happy. Outland, I told our video audience before the show started that for some reason for me, the Outland Trophy has always sounded like the coolest trophy you can win. I don't really know why that is. Like technically the generic because it's for like the defense player of the year is the kind of thing that uh, should arguably be a more prestigious award because it covers a wider range of, of, of players. But like Outland Trophy winner just sounds about as football as it gets. I, so I, I just I'm really happy for him today. And congratulations on some well-deserved honors for a guy that put together an outstanding Georgia career and, and, and truly punctuated it with as good a senior season as could be had so that is around the doghouse it's delivered today by our friends at marco's pizza and imagine how much marco's pizza jordan davis could put down it's one of those things where like one day we should just fill a stadium and just watch him go to see what he's able to do there on that because i'm guessing he could probably pick it up and put it down pretty well of course many of you do the same thing there too a lot of sports here on this weekend you may be tuning in to watch the you know high school state championship games across our uh, state here over the course of the next couple of days or whatever else is going on obviously you're getting settled in or holiday parties a lot of you getting together with family and friends this time of year marco's pizza goes great with that there as well why because it's good pizza it's authentic old world flavor baked perfectly each and every time but it also comes at a great price as well in fact if you're trying to feed a lot of people how about this great savings right now how about a bundle of a large one topping pizza the pizza bowl which is like the pizza flavor without the crust uh some cheesy bread it's all just 21.99 right now you can order that at Marco's app or Marco's.com. Download the Marco's app if you haven't gotten that because it's a great way to get the best of Marco's. Marco's Pizza. Pizza lovers get it. You can get it there as well. And don't you know you'll be happy when you do. So we love Marco's Pizza. We love having them delivering around the doghouse to us here on this uh, Friday. And as we head towards the weekend, hopefully you'll check out some Marco's Pizza as well. All right, we've got a lot to check out here when it comes to Georgia and its 2022 signing class. Final days here before the hay starts to get put in the barn starting next Wednesday. So let's cover all of the bases related to that, what Georgia has done, what it needs to do, and everything else in between. On the road, assisted by AAA with Jeff Sintel right now. Great to have all of you with us as well. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. So I want to say hello to Jeff Sintel, and one of the things we're obviously going to do here is talk about kind of what still needs to be done for Georgia in the 2022 class, what Georgia still has the chance to add there. But there's a couple other things I you know, kind of want to hit on here there too. Jeff, a moment ago I was talking about Jordan Davis and the, uh, the big wins he racked up last night. Think about Outland Trophy, think about Benaric Trophy, thinking about N'Kobe Dean becoming the second Georgia player since 2017 to win the Buckus Award, how cool that is. And what I said a moment ago is primarily I think this needs to be an individual celebration of what Davis has accomplished here before you kind of get to how it benefits 
you know, those of us who like UGA or the UGA program in particular, but certainly it's not insignificant to think about Georgia racking up these major national awards. You now have, over the course of the last few seasons, really all of the kinds of awards you can win, this Georgia defense has gotten it. You know, they produced a Thorpe Award winner. They produced a couple of Butkus Award winners. They produced now an Outland Trophy winner. That's all three phases of the defense. They've kind of represented them all. They've also produced a, you know, defensive player of the year type guy with a uh, with Jordan winning the Benaric there as well. I can't imagine there's a defensive frontier that Georgia can't travel on from a recruiting standpoint, and I can't imagine there's a potential proof of concept here, success story they can't point to that could potentially help them with any defensive recruit in the entire country. Uh, yeah, Brennan. <clears throat> Good morning, everybody. And, I mean, add the Thorpe Award to that. Remember they won that a couple of years ago with DeAndre Baker as well, so – um, there's a lot of jokes right now going on this week about Georgia having a Vanderbilt trophy case, but when it comes to individual player honors right now, that's not the case. I mean, you would look at what Georgia's stacked up and outside of Heisman's and outside of Davey O'Brien's, which are always uh, offensive side of the ball, the defensive side of the ball for Georgia is just gangbusters. And I mean, Brandon, I think I've, I've, I've got two points about Jordan Davis that I think really bring it all into light. First of those is our colleague, uh, Mike Griffith, who certainly knows about such things, uh, felt last night on our Cover 4 program that uh, Jordan Davis, he's going to be an All-American. He's going to be selected to several All-American teams. He's won the, he's won the Outland. Um, he's won the Nagurski now. So, like, all of these honors uh, have never been accomplished before by a defensive player or a player ever at the University of Georgia. And I thought Mike's line where he says this probably – solidifies him as a future member of the College Football Hall of Fame, really rings true here. I think people, when you start putting all these things together for JD99, that's, that's probably the oomph, that's probably the, the measure of impact his Georgia career, especially coming back for his senior year, is now going to have. I think a lot of Georgia players on this current team can look to Jordan Davis's example and say, you know, draft talk's only about second or third round. Let me come back and see if I can get a little bit more and Look what Jordan Davis has kind of uh, shown and set the example there. The second story, Brandon, is I've heard this a gazillion times this year, and these are for the young people. These are from the young people who follow the Georgia program. These are uh, sons and daughters of uh, Georgia alums, Georgia boosters, the folks that kind of come to our Dog Nation events all the time. And there's been a lot of trading in jerseys. They've been trading in the Gurley. They've been trading in the Swift. They've been tra trading in the Herschel Walker old school 34. The the hot number of choice now for all the youngsters out there is Jordan Davis's number 99. And, man, that's certainly saying something. It is indeed. As you turn our attention to the 2022 class here for a moment, I obviously want to talk to you about what is still yet to come with all of this. But I was thinking about this a little bit. I think I even mentioned this to one of our video commenters as well, that you know, a, a recruiting cycle is kind of a long time. It begins even before the the current year and then stretches for 12 months when these guys kind of have the stage to themselves. And there's obviously a lot that Georgia can still add for this class, and I'm curious to see who those final pieces become. But what amazes me, though, Jeff, about my perception of this 2022 class, and I'm speaking this as someone who wants Georgia to get good players, is that my feelings about the guys I've been the most excited about – really hasn't changed all that much. I mean, I remember how much I, I loved Malachi Starks when he first committed, and I remember how much I loved Jalen Walker when he first committed. Big Bear Alexander, who's kind of been a little bit of a more of a mysterious recruit than that, but is now rock solid to UGA. How, how much I and 
enjoyed all that with with him that when it's all said and done it seems like the guys I was the most excited about at the beginning of this cycle are kind of the guys that I'm still the most excited to see you know on a field there at UGA for a number of reasons uh but but it's just kind of funny how the more things change really in terms of the guys I've touted for the most in this 2022 class the more it ends up kind of staying the same yeah, there's a lot of what I would call bedrocks or foundational players, the guys that identify really early as the type of guys that Kirby Smart would one day want to bring to an SEC media day. There's a lot of guys like that. Um, you know, chiefly uh, Malachi Starks is a guy. You know, go in and zoom in on him. I know he's the highest-rated guy. He chose Georgia over Alabama and Clemson way back in March, March 25th to be exact, and Simply put, he's probably the best athlete Georgia's brought in and for the secondary since Champ Bailey. Uh, when you have a 10-5-5 in the 100, and then you have a 20, almost a 24-inch long jump, those are Champ Bailey-ish type things. And, uh, the thing with Malachi, though, is he's been a single-wing quarterback mostly in high school. Uh, he's had some injury concerns a little bit. There will be some learning curve there for him because he doesn't have the all those reps at safety and all those reps at the All-American camps against you know, covering those elite prospects that maybe some other guys in years past have. But the natural athletic ability is there, Brandon. It is so much that I would not doubt at some point in his career that he freelances over on the offensive side of the ball, maybe does some receiver, maybe plays some squat, maybe plays some wildcat quarterback as well. He's just that phenomenal of an athlete. Uh, you keep going down the list, there's the Branson Robinsons, there's the Jalen Walkers, there's the Oscar Delts, there's the Gunnar Stockton. Brent, it's kind of funny. I can go about 32 seconds talking about Georgia's 22 class and the hate it's already in the barn. And I don't even mention probably the most prolific high school quarterback, at least stats-wise, at least record books-wise, in the history of the state of Georgia. You know, that's exactly right. And, you know, I think when you start thinking about, like, the typical stories we expect to be talking about next Wednesday, one of those is always – Hey, who's the and sometimes it's a flip or sometimes like the undecided guy. It's like undecided guys are, are guys that it's not obvious that Georgia has the the clear inroad with. Those always end up being kind of the bigger story, even sometimes over players that might be rated higher than them. And the best that I can tell, the guy for that on Wednesday uh, appears to be Shamar James, the linebacker, former Florida commit, hailing from the state of Alabama. Sounds like the Crimson Tide or obviously a major factor in this recruitment. In fact, I think we said that even going back to the time when he decommitted from Florida, that, that Alabama could loom large there. So my question to you is this, is, and we talked about this some on Wednesday, but the fact that you do believe that Georgia is a clear factor right now in James' recruitment with a chance to win it. But if Georgia does win that recruiting battle for James, how big would it be? How would you compare him to some of these other linebacker guys that Georgia's brought to the program here in recent years? Yeah, so Shamar's coming off uh, an injury that kind of ended his high school season. That's why he's not going to play in the Under Armour All-American game. But uh, either Shamar is that guy that I would put him in the same notch, maybe a tick higher than guys like Channing Kendall and Quay Walker that, that came into the program. Uh, look what those guys did after two or three seasons and four seasons for those two guys. And you got to remember, Georgia went pretty strong last year with an inside linebacker than Shmile Munden and Jamon Dumas-Johnson, but, you know, Shamar's kind of seen as an inside backer that can kind of do a little bit of hybrid, can play the strong, can play the wheel, can play the will, can play Sam, can play the Mike, uh, especially across the different fronts that Georgia has. He's an adaptable player that can 
stay on the field and hurry up sets and hurry up tempo sets from the offense. But I mean, really, Brandon, you know, I think people forget that Georgia has the number one rated class in the country. And you mentioned the Butkus Award and the trust that Shamar has told me he has in Glenn Schumann. This is a head-to-head with Alabama that I think Georgia can win. Shamar's in town this weekend for what will be the ultimate official visit for him. He's only visited Georgia a couple of times. I think this will be his second or third time this weekend. And he's visited Alabama about seven or eight times. He's from Mobile, Alabama. Mobile is not normally typically the the Alabama stronghold as other pockets of the Yellowhammer State are. But uh, Nick, Nick Saban and Pete Golding have really put in on the put in the push for him late. And, you know, you think about storylines, there's the Shamar James, there's the Kamari Wilson storyline. Those are the big undecided. Of course, Shamar is a former Florida decommit. Now you see Georgia trying to get into the game with Chandler Smith, another track guy, kind of has that Arian Smith type speed, had an injury concern as well during his senior year, but he's expected to be in Athens this weekend for his official visit as well. And that's 10.28 10.28 speed in the 100. That's 20.69 speed in the 200. He's one of those receiver types that everybody wants to know. I think if I had to category and couch, you know, what are the remaining storylines for this Georgia recruiting class? Is A, can they hold off Alabama and Texas A&M to, to re- hold on to the number one recruiting class for 2022? Who are the explosive playmakers that they can finish off this class with? That's a guy like Squirrel White who could – from Tennessee to Georgia, who has that type of Lad McConkey-type game that served Georgia so well this year. Is there an edge rusher left for Georgia to get? Can they get in the game leg with Jihad Campbell? Can Marvin Jones Jr.? It's a a race that really seemed like it's Oklahoma, Alabama, and then USC here late with Lincoln-Riley connections. Can Georgia get into the race there with Marvin Jones Jr. out of – out of South Florida, out of American heritage, and try to get in the race there with another pass rusher there. There's also two storylines that won't be un- won't be resolved uh, during this recruiting cycle, at least the early cycle, and that's Christian Miller, the All-American defensive tackle out of Cedar Grove, playing for a state title tomorrow at Georgia State, and also Shamar Stewart. Those are guys that are not going to make their, their signing decisions this month and uh, won't make their commitment decisions at all for some time, so... You know, that, those are kind of the things to look for. You know, Georgia needs, I think, a little bit more on defensive line in this class because they're going to have to replace so many viable pieces that are going to go to the NFL. And, you know, I think a really, a really great measure of what Georgia's going to do defensively this year and how recruiting will escalate for Georgia and be even better. I mean, maybe the national champion half, championship happens this year. Maybe it doesn't. But it's going to feel like about, you know, seven, eight, nine mini national championships when Georgia – sees a lot of these defensive players go in the first two or three rounds of the NFL draft. So you obviously said a lot there on trying to, you know, kind of you know, make sure everybody's uh, aware of everything that, that you're pointing out there. You mentioned the name Kamari Wilson, and that's kind of the, the other archetype that we typically see for Georgia on one of these national signing days, that you've got the guy that's a little bit of the reach, a little bit of the stretch goal, but you've also got kind of the, the guy that oftentimes like that sort of five-star exclamation point on a class. In a lot of ways, Kamari Wilson would be that. I think some UGA fans have had some confidence about George and Wilson. Do you see any reason why Georgia fans should pump the brakes and the confidence they've had here when it comes to Kamari? It's interesting. It's Final Four. It includes a couple of teams. It's got Texas A&M. It's got LSU. It's got Georgia. And uh, he's expected, I think, at last word, he was uh, really considering hard taking a, 
an official visit to uh, LSU this weekend to check out that new that new staff and that new regime there. And you know, for that to happen, I think Georgia fans probably feel better about uh, Kamari Wilson being there than maybe Texas A&M, a school he's already visited. I mean, I think you know the hardest part for Kelly to try and pull him away from Georgia or any school is uh, it's very hard with these new staffs to try and get these relationships off the ground where, you know, gosh, it's felt like Georgia has been in uh, a very cozy spot with Kamari Wilson going back to March or April. I think Will Muschamp, I think Kirby Smart, I think those guys have done a really, really, really good job with his recruitment. Um, you know, there's also the Jaheim Singletary, the five-star. There's the thought that Florida and Billy Napier are going to make a late push for Jaheim Singletary, but – I know, Brandon, you notice a lot of tweets on social media and especially notice tweets that involve the word family. And uh, I think the one recently with Jaheen Singletary getting a visit from the Georgia staff. The dogs went three deep there as well with kind of three coaches there in the photo op and three coaches to visit his school in Jacksonville. And Jaheen was wearing a Georgia Bulldog old school sweatshirt as well. So uh, that's got to give those out there that worry about such things a little bit of confidence that Georgia will be able to hold on to a guy like Jaheim as well. It's on the road, assisted by AAA with Jeff Sintel, and of course AAA, always the one we turn to for our roadside assistance. We're traveling a lot this time of year. It's always nice to have AAA with us wherever we go, just in case something goes wrong. That's why the AAA has been supporting its members for a long time, but it's also a name to know for auto insurance there as well. In fact, when you check out AAA.com slash auto insurance, you'll see all the great savings opportunities that can come your way via our friends at AAA. They got great stuff for you there on that. AAA.com slash auto insurance for a lot more on that. Uh, you can also check them out by phone at 866-380-1637. That's 866-380-1637. Uh, you can find out everything that AAA has got for you. You can switch and save and put big dollars in your pocket, which really matters this time of year. So AAA.com slash auto insurance for a lot more on that. So, Jeff, something else I want to kind of spend a little bit of time with you and the time we have left on. You did talk about the wide receiver spot. And, you know, listen, you can't really sugarcoat this. And, you know, some, some of the guys that, that you've talked about and some of the guys that are still out there, uh, they may go on to be, you know, great players to place like George. And, you know, the speed that a guy like you mentioned Chandler Smith, for instance, that he brings the table, that's a, the kind of thing that George can use more of. Or if you want to compare Squirrel White to uh, a Lad McConkey, that's kind of an interesting you know, comparison because clearly Lad's had some great success, including a touchdown against Alabama in the SEC Championship. But this is one of the things, though, that, that is just obviously true is that the final frontier for Georgia is these great wide receivers, that Georgia's actually recruiting quarterbacks really well despite the fact that it hasn't quite produced with the quarterback position the way that you think an elite program should. That doesn't seem to be harming quarterback recruiting whatsoever for the 2022 class or even potentially a look ahead to 2023 and by the way even a look ahead to 2024 where Georgia seems to be making some pretty good inroads there too but when it comes to wide receiver recruiting I mean the uh you know the the that that's an area where there just is a lot more difficulty for this UGA program and I don't think that 2022 class is going to change this narrative yeah I mean it's almost like Georgia needs to get to the point where those track guys, kind of like Arian Smith, work out. I mean, you could also kind of call Tommy Bush a track guy as well. That was kind of his most sterling credentials uh, coming into Georgia, even though he was an All-American. I think Georgia had a really strong uh, argument that, hey, we can get those top 100 receivers. And for whatever reason, you've got injuries to Pickens, injuries to Blaylock, uh, an injury to Marcus Rosamie, Jack Saint. 
Uh, that's one player that I thought probably needed to really, really kind of blow up a little bit or really kind of explode for Georgia during the back half of this year as they were searching for weapons. Um, that's another top top 100 receiver there. We mentioned Burton. We mentioned Smith. Uh, it, it seems like Georgia's kind of doing a better job of finding those diamonds in the rough. Ladd McConkie, A.D. Mitchell, uh, Jackson Meeks has even looked pretty good at, on the practice field uh, at times this year. So you, you see those guys, and it's like, oh, wow, Georgia found the guy. I think everybody's ready for Georgia to attract that George Pickens type and for that guy to put together a run of 800, 900-yard seasons back-to-back-to-back where Georgia really establishes itself as where a playmaker like the Luther Burdens, the Kevin Coleman, the Evan Stewart's, know they can go in right away and flourish. I do think Georgia is, again, you know, it's almost like you got to sit there and you got to go to the other side of the car lot, Brandon, and it's not maybe the, the new models that are in the showroom, but maybe one that just came in that they just found. And, you know, there's a great case to be made, but Alan Morissette might, might look like right now one of the top 15 wide receivers in the country. He's just outside the top 200 right now. I really think he's going to have a strong career at Georgia. Uh, and then guys like Dylan Bell, who looks like he has highlight film gold, but then you wonder, you know, is he doing that against really high-level competition in Texas? I see all these plays where it looks like he's making everybody miss um, left and right, and yet, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm watching the other players that he's making miss and not just Dylan Bell, and it really doesn't look like that guy is, you know, while, while his film looks great, and I think he's, there's an up arrow next to what he can do at Georgia, um, Dylan Bell is also a guy that you, know, you wonder just how quick of an impact he could make at Georgia based on the level of competition he played. And, you know, I, I like Cole Spear a lot, too. It seems like, again, Georgia are finding these guys that um, Cole Spear's story is a lot like Lad McConkie's story. It's a guy from northwest Georgia, all the speed in the world, very overlooked. There was a time that, you know, he couldn't even get an offer to play safety for some ACC schools despite all those laser times in the four fours and below. And then all of a sudden, Georgia, Cortez Hankton, and Kirby Smart put their hands on him, and they say, hey, we can ride with you. We can win with you. And all of a sudden, Cole Spear becomes an SEC prospect, and he really takes off his senior year. Look how he's played. This Calhoun team is up for the state title again this weekend as well at Georgia State. And what really, really impresses me about Cole Spear is this guy's doing it on both sides of the ball, yeah. coming away with big plays on defense, big plays in the return game. And that's another guy where I think, wow, Georgia's really found another one that I think will be a very good player in Athens. But uh, there's a point there where Georgia just needs to start bringing in the guys everybody wanted, the guys that look like future first-round draft picks, Brandon, and not guys that you sit there and go, I think he'll be a productive career. He'll have a very productive career at Georgia. Maybe even make a bunch of plays like Ladd McConkie and A.D. Mitchell are already doing. I think the next frontier, as you like to phrase it up so well, is there's more guys you need to see Georgia bringing in and go, you know, that's a guy that I think could win an All-American award, could win a Bolitnikoff award, and could be a first-round draft pick. Yeah, I mean, I think the bottom line is you have to win with what you have and produce with what you have, and then you'll get what you want. When Georgia got the five-star receiver, George Pickens, he was every bit as good as advertised. Now, the problem is he's had injuries that have taken him off the field, but when Pickens has played, he's been great. Um, the problem is it's just sort of hard to get more of those guys. What you have to do is take the top 240 player that you can get, the the four-star guy that you can get, and and maximize his potential. And then after that, you can shop in whatever aisle you want to. At least that's what I believe, Jeff. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing Georgia's class needs to do is I think it needs some late varieties in terms of receiver. Brandon, it seems like we're doing the same dance again with every signing period about Georgia's receivers. And this year, I think the key word is variance. I don't think there's a lot of difference in the bodies right now. You look at Cole Spear, you look at Dylan Bell, you look at Denial and Morissette. Those guys are all right around, you know, six feet, uh, six foot one, 200 pounds. Now, Cole Spear has the true 4-4 laser type speed where he's a burner. You know, Denial and Morissette is more the all around guy that's incredible at everything. Uh, he's going to get a lot of nines and a lot of categories in the all across the board as a receiver. Uh, and then Dylan Bell is kind of like that unique hybrid that's kind of like maybe a bigger Isaiah McKenzie, maybe not just as shifty, but Dylan Bell has made plays at Wildcat quarterback, at running back, uh, and at wide receiver all over the field for his uh, private school in, in Texas. He's a two-time state champion. You love to see Georgia uh, bring in guys that are state champions um, in their high school careers because I think it means something. I think it says something about the, the teams that they dwell on, that they're a part of. They know what it's like to win, and they know what it's like each and every day to push themselves to a, a championship standard. So that's really great. But um, I think Squirrel White would be a, kind of a different type guy to add to that a little bit. I mean, Squirrel White is very slight. I think he's about 5'11", maybe at the most. He's probably about 165 pounds. But he's one of those guys, Brandon, that has great ball skills, and when he catches the ball – He's almost at full speed within a step or two, and I think those are the type of players when you want to incorporate Munkin's vision for this offense. I think that's what Georgia needs more of. Jeff, great stuff. Thanks for being here on the road. It's just about AAA. We'll look forward to plenty of recruiting coverage from you as we head towards Wednesday. And, of course, a chance to talk to you here on Dog Nation Daily again very soon as well. Thanks for your time. Hey, guys. Have a great weekend, everybody. See you soon, buddy. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. So good stuff there from Jeff Sintel. And let me just say this real quickly, then we'll kind of, you know, uh, move on off this topic. I mean, no doubt receiver is going to be a very much keen interest for Georgia as it concludes its 2022 cycle, although the names we're talking about here are nowhere near as big and bold print as like the Shamar James, the Kamari Wilsons, and you know potentially even February stuff like Christian Miller or Shamar Stewart. Like It's just not that kind of thing for George the wide receiver spot, but it is obviously very important. And like the one thing that, that you did hear say, Jeff say a lot is speed, speed, speed. That word kept coming up there. It's one of those things where if you can't identify a recruit that's got everything, the way that Georgia gets the linebacker who's got the size, the quickness, and everything else, then you have to kind of zero in on of the available wide receivers who fits the profile of what you need. And Georgia just does need more speed in its you know receiving core. It just needs more of that. And I, I don't think it's unreasonable to say that if we assume next year that Brock Bauer is going to be every bit as good as he was this year, if not better, that's a big weapon you can utilize. And obviously, you know, tight end is going to be a big part of the story for Georgia because Oscar Depp's going to be here too, and Darnell Washington's still here, and the tight end position's kind of arrived on the scene for UGA, so those guys are going to get theirs. But man, wouldn't a great next step for Georgia offensively, and some of what Jeff says there gets me thinking this, wouldn't a great next step for Georgia offensively be, okay, so put a receiver next to the tight end. I don't mean physically next to him. I mean in terms of the productivity and the stat sheet and stuff like that. Find a receiver who at least somewhat rivals what a guy like what a guy like uh, Brock Bowers did for you this year. And if George Pickens have been healthy all year long, obviously he's probably going to be that guy. And asking anybody that's going to be on George's roster next season to be as good as Pickens has been for UGA when he's healthy may be asking a lot. 
but I don't think it's asking too much from one of those guys right now to have a very productive season, whether it be third-year guy who's finally ready to blossom. And there are a lot of highly rated recruits who are going to be third-year guys for Georgia next season, at least presumably. Uh, or whether it be the second-year guy who just needed one more year to get in the program, and now he's ready to go. Or maybe you bring in somebody this year who just kind of emerges on the scene. But it's not asking too much to say, You've got an all-American, you know, high-level, future first-round pick-style tight end who actually produces the way at a wide receiver rate. You've got that going for you right now. So how about you also find a receiver that can kind of play off of that? And you know, the same way that Bowers provides the big body, who provides that speed quotient for you there as well? It's not asking too much, and that's regardless of who starts a quarterback for Georgia next year because I don't care if all four of these guys who are currently on the roster come back Georgia should have an open competition for quarterback next season and it should include whoever's here the veterans who play JT and Stetson the young guys who haven't Beck and uh Vandergriff Gunner Stockton too now you really can't have a quarterback competition with five people but you get the point if all these guys were to come back Put them all out there. Find out. It, it, now it's time to see who truly is the, the best of all of these guys and sort of figure it out. But whoever emerges at quarterback, you know, it's not asking too much to have another big-time receiving option emerge and have at least a similar level of success to what Brock Bowers has enjoyed. And it's also not un- unreasonable to assume it might happen, given the year-over-year-over-year year year improvement for the Georgia offense all the way around. Go back and look at 2019, what this team did not do offensively. Look at the way it got way better in 2020, despite the fact that Georgia was playing an all-SEC schedule. There were no Charleston Southerns or UABs or Murray States or Arkansas States. There were no teams like that to pad your numbers against, yet the Georgia offensive numbers in 2020 were better than they were in 2019. And guess what? They are way better in 2021 than they were last year. They're about a touchdown per game more this year than in 2020 and about 10 points per game more this season than in 2019 so the idea this offense could also take a next step next year regardless of who's playing quarterback that is not an unreasonable assumption but it's got to actually go out there and happen now with that said let's get ready to go cruise around the sec courtesy of our friends at royal caribbean boy the feedback i'm getting right now has been phenomenal about our dog nation cruise which is heading to the caribbean uh coming up in the month of april and goodness knows by then we're all going to need a vacation. It seems like we need one right now. But by April, we'll definitely need one. And the great news is we're going to have a Dog Nation vacation. The very first ever Dog Nation cruise on the Independence of the Seas. We're going to be sailing out of Port Canaveral. We're going to be going to Nassau in the Bahamas. And you've heard me talk about Perfect Day, Coco Cay. We're going there as well. This private island in the Bahamas has got the thrill side, the chill side. Obviously enjoying all the entertainment options on board. Uh, the beautiful Independence of the Seas. This is going to be just an incredible experience, uh, special Dog Nation events. It's not just a cruise, although it's great to have Royal Caribbean back on the seas again. It's a Dog Nation cruise. That means there will be special Dog Nation events, the potential of special Dog Nation guests. Obviously, I'm going to be there. Jeff Sintel's going to be there. Mike Griffith's going to be there. A lot of Dog Nation folks going to be on hand for this, but we want you to be there as well. So go to dognation.com. At the very top of the page, you see a link right there where you can connect with our friends at the Cruise and Vacation Authority. They're the ones that are helping us book this right now. And you can be a part of the tremendous event, which will be the Dog Nation Cruise. It's coming up. It's going to be a blast. Can't wait to see you there. April 25th to the 29th. Tickets on sale right now. Your chance to book travel. So check that out. Dognation.com. Find the link that's there right there. All right. The music has run out, but we're going to bounce through a couple of SEC stories nonetheless. So... 
awards season in college football. Obviously, Georgia guys have been racking up here on this. You saw Nakobe win the Butkus. You saw Jordan Davis, as we mentioned early in the show, clean up on both Bidnarik for the nation's top defensive player and, of course, the Outland Trophy for the nation's top interior defensive lineman. Let's talk about some of these others there for a moment. Bryce Young wins the Maxwell Award. That's oftentimes a precursor to the Heisman Trophy. Don't see any reason to think that'll be different for Bryce here right now. And based on the way that he played against Georgia, seemingly a well-deserved award. Uh, Luke Fickle wins a Coach of the Year Award. And uh, Kobe Bryant, defensive back, also wins the Thorpe Award from Cincinnati, which leaves you to wonder. You know, defensive-minded coach like Fickle, you know, not Georgia-level talent, but not also talentless, you know, national award winner speaks to that. Can Luke Fickle devise any kind of game plan that even keeps it close against Alabama? I'm I'm curious about that as we head towards the uh, Cotton Bowl coming up. O'Brien also won the Davey O'Brien Award. I should say Young also won the Davey O'Brien Award as the nation's top quarterback. Um, You know, Kenneth Walker racked up with a couple of awards. The great Michigan State running back. Good season for him there. What else is interesting here? Uh, Will Anderson won the other Defensive Player of the Year award for the Nagurski. There are a lot of Alabama fans who were complaining that he didn't also win the uh, Bidneric. There's also some complaining that Jamison Williams didn't win the Bolitnikoff uh, trophy for the nation's top wide receiver. You know, Josh Gaddis, interestingly, the uh, Michigan offensive coordinator, won the Broyles Award as the nation's top assistant, going to show you that, listen, there's more than one way to be a good offensive coordinator. Sometimes it's about executing the game plan you want to do, not necessarily matching the dialer score stuff that exists all over the rest of college football. So this is a Michigan coaching staff that's earned some justifiable praise here this season, including Gaddis, who a lot of folks know around SEC circles. So busy night of awards around the uh, the college ranks and uh, good stuff there. Georgia also kind of cleaned up on some of the all-freshman stuff around the SEC. Honestly, I don't have a ton of time right now, so let me just kind of move off that for right now. But uh, nice to see some dogs showing up. Obviously, Brock Bowers among the rest with the all-freshman team that was announced by the SEC yesterday. Here's one thing I want to kind of put out in the universe a little bit, though. What happened to all the Lane Kiffin rumors? This is, uh, you know, SEC through time. We're around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean cruising around the SEC. Lane Kiffin was rumored to get the LSU job, then the Miami job, then the Oregon job, and all these jobs. He's like, oh, this is the hot guy. You know, which job's Lane Kiffin going to take? And clearly he had a very good season. Ole Miss won the Egg Bowl, capped off a 10-2 and regular season, going to the Sugar Bowl. It's a great year, especially by Ole Miss standards. But what actually happened to all these Ole Miss Lane Kiffin coaching rumors that he was on his way to taking the next big job? Fizzled out completely at Miami. They seemed pretty locked in on Mario Cristobal. Uh, LSU was forced to go back to the drawing board a couple of times, but it doesn't seem like they ever really got to Lane Kiffin. And then the Oregon job pops up, but now it seems like Chip Kelly returning to Eugene has a lot more steam around it than Lane Kiffin. Not quite sure what you do with this, because I think that Kiffin clearly had a good year at Ole Miss and has made a very good quarterback out of Matt Corral. But this notion that you know Kiffin has his eyes on bigger jobs and you know uh, the the College football world can't wait to give him that big promotion. Clearly, every fan in the sport seems to be talking about that. But the folks who actually do the hiring don't seem to be talking about that quite as much. One more coaching note to give you, and we talked about this the other day, that Florida legitimately made a big-time hire when it brought in Corey Raymond as its defensive backs coach. That's a that's a legitimate hire. That's a very successful acquisition by Billy Napier as he begins his coaching tenure at Florida I don't think it pays off for the 2022 class I think it's too late to do that but could it pay off for 2023 and 2024 I clearly think that it could that's the kind of guy that most programs would like to have 
He has Louisiana ties. Florida's a long way away from that. But nonetheless, it's good to have a guy like that in your program. There's also now, according to the rumor mill, the chance that Florida could also add another big-time assistant. You remember Tosh Lapoy. Lapoy was very well-respected as a recruiter, was promoted to Alabama defensive coordinator in 2018, then became the scapegoat, and I actually believe somewhat unfairly so, when Alabama got totally blasted by Clemson in the uh, national championship game. Nick Saban quickly moved away from him, it seemed like. Lapoy went to the NFL, worked for the Cleveland Browns for a while. Now he's in Jacksonville, but Lapoy's kind of always seemed more of a college guy than an NFL guy. He just seems like he's a natural recruiter. He's very good at that. And Lapoy, who does work with the Jaguars now as a staffer, was asked this week about the possibility that he might be going to Florida to work on Billy Napier's staff there. Obviously, that'd be good for Napier to bring in another guy that has clear connections and ties to the SEC. The point is, is Lapoy didn't really – he certainly didn't shoot down that speculation, just basically said like a lot of coaches do. He doesn't want to talk about it right now. So keep Lapoy's name in mind here that that's another potential staffer that that Napier could add trying to beef up his credentials within SEC country. A guy like LaPoy would certainly do that. And for a Florida program that's been embarrassed in the recruiting trail for a long time, they seem intent for the moment to maybe trying to bring that embarrassment to a close. Uh, We'll follow the LaPoy story here, Raymond already in the fold, but uh, Napier trying to make a splash with his assistant coaching hires will make that your SEC through. And for a moment, let me tell you about a uh, company that I've been Really pretty impressed with, and I've gotten pretty good feedback on this there as well, for the ways in which they are demystifying and taking the mystery out of the crypto space. And cryptocurrency is one of those things. A lot of folks, you know, a lot of our audience, a lot smarter than me, a lot more sophisticated than me, they've been involved in the crypto world for a long time, and it's the kind of thing they've you know collected and watched their, you know, um, you know, their investment grow in value. It's also the kind of thing they're using to make transactions online. And someone like me sort of still counting clams or something like that from the dark ages. Uh, some some of you may be kind of in between that. You know more about crypto than maybe I have, but maybe not as much as those who were kind of early adopters in the space. Well, the good news is, speaking of space, my friends at Space Dogs, uh, good UGA people taking the mystery out of the cryptocurrency world. This is a company that you ought to be really aware of. they got a website, dogs.io. That's D-A-W-G-S, even smart people that know a lot about crypto still spell dogs the way it's supposed to be d-a-w-g-s dogs.io they've got a handful of products that you should know about they've got a really cool dogs token which obviously gets you involved in the crypto world plus they've got the dogs wallet and their space car now all this basically is at the very simplest essence it's just a safe and secure way to make transactions online the stuff that you're already buying anyway use the dogs wallet the space card to kind of Make that easier, make that safer, make that more secure. And who wouldn't want that in their life? And if you're just a little bit curious about what uh, the world of cryptocurrency is all about and how these UGA folks at Space Dogs are kind of making it more accessible for all of us, honestly, if nothing else, it's worth checking out the website, dogs.io for more on that. Dogs.io. Learn about the uh, dog's token, learn about the uh, space card, learn about the dog's wallet. Kind of take some of the mystery out of the crypto process. That's what uh, Space Dogs allows you to do. Dogs.io. Dogs.io is the website to go to there. Also, before we say goodbye here to you today, great time this weekend to enjoy some Finnish long drink. Is your holiday parties, things like that going on? All the varieties of Finnish long drink all make a lot of sense for those who you're entertaining here this time of year whether it be the traditional which comes in the blue can grapefruit flavor the long drink cranberry long drink strong which is eight and a half percent alcohol by volume or long drink zero zero carbs zero sugar there's a long drink for everyone it's a ready-to-drink cocktail in a can 
pop the top, you're ready to enjoy that. Get the eight-can variety pack and enjoy two varieties of all of the different choices that the finished long drink has. And if you've heard me talk about it but you haven't tried it yourself yet, go to thelongdrink.com and you can pick up information about where you can find some today. Just put in your zip code. They'll tell you where you can pick up some finished long drinks. So enjoy some this weekend. Enjoy some this holiday season. We've been telling you about it all season long. The finished long drink, certainly a great choice here this time of year. All right, a couple of golden shoes to give out here right now. First of all, I mentioned the Dog Nation Cruise a little earlier. Shouts out to those of you who've already already booked your travel for this, including our buddy Wise Dog on Twitter. We're going to give a golden shoe to him today because he kind of blasted us out to the world yesterday that, yes, he does plan on being on the Dog Nation tr- uh, Cruise. At Wiser Dog on Twitter saying, I just signed up for the Dog Nation Cruise. Come join me. Let's do some drinking. He tags me at Dog Nation Daily in on that. I am right there with Wise Dog on all of that. Can't wait to do that with him and all of you there as well. Of course, our buddy Lee also gets a golden shoe there, too. He points out that Florida right now 77th in the country when it comes to the 2022 recruiting class and 14th in the SEC, I believe. So uh, very funny stuff uh, there from that on Lee and obviously comparing Kirby and his year one, how well he did. So we'll give a golden shoe there as well. Speaking of Billy Napier and whatever crop of assistance he hires, they got a bad day coming for them. Gator Hater Countdown, 323 days from right now. Georgia gives another whip into Florida. We'll see you on Monday. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. And on the podcast, I'm now for the R.S. Andrews Podcast Cooldown. Of course, you can find R.S. Andrews online for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs. Probably not so much AC right now, but certainly plenty of heating systems. Getting those second opinions, factory fresh specs, getting those uh, systems kind of... Um, you know, basically just tuned up and ready to go for the winter. Some folks told you need a new heating system. You don't necessarily need one, though. Go ahead and find that um, at RS Andrews. Then get that heating system working for you all winter long. So a couple of quick comments. We're going to bounce out of here after that. Philip Thomas writes in on Twitter, it's beyond frustrating to listen to the neg- the endless negativity with Georgia still having so much to play for. I don't know how or why you do it. I would have to ignore most of them, but that's your job, I, I guess. Good luck. Yeah, so I-, I do try to strike the balance in all this because at a certain point in time, I said this to our video audience a little earlier. Like, I grew up in the age of old-school AM sports talk radio. Team loses the game. Folks dial the number. Hey, it's BA in a car phone. I want to bang on the coach. I want to I want to criticize my team because I'm mad they lost. And I think there's something to be said for making sports a little more democratic like that. I don't mean like – I mean small d democratic. You know, kind of the kind of thing that's, that's accessible for everybody. Like, you don't have to be a newspaper columnist or a TV show host to have an opinion on sports – everyone's allowed to have one and the same way that old school sports talk radio used to be that way the internet social media message boards video shows and podcasts like this kind of provide the same kind of outlet just regular folks can share their regular opinion I'm a big believer in that but like the one thing I can't do is is tell every single person they're right about everything they say and that gets me you know a little bit of heat every now and then which I'm, I'm fine with so I try to strike the balance here of let me give a platform like our cool down right now for people to share the thoughts they want to share and let me agree where I can and disagree where I think it needs to be done, but still allow a whole bunch of voices to have their chance to, to weigh in on stuff like this. I don't want to be, as I say from time to time, the only blowhard that, um, that has an opinion on this show just because I'm the one that's you know shouting into the microphone. It's more than just my opinion that ought to be heard and I try to give Georgia fans a chance to have their say but I do believe it stays too negative too long after a loss now it's one thing if 
Georgia was a program that really had nothing going for it, and sometimes power programs get to that point. But UGA is obviously a far cry for that. Uh, one more comment I want to read here for a moment. Brett, I uh, hope I pronounced this right, Shaheen says, out of 21 playoff games, only three times has a team won by passing less than 30 times. JT is the better passer. So this is the perfect example of something that's true, but not necessarily convincing. The true point is, it is great to have a passing quarterback in the college football playoff. That's true. That's a fact. Though The numbers that uh, Brett shared there, I didn't precisely know those, but that certainly seems true based on most of what we've experienced here in the college football playoff era. That being a really good passing team has been a really good thing to be in the college football playoff. But that doesn't then mean, and therefore you got to play JT Downs instead of Stetson Bennett. Because as I said now many, many times, while it's obvious that Daniels is a better passer than Stetson Bennett, and while it's obvious that Georgia throws the ball more when Daniels is in the game, what is not obvious is that that leads to more score. In other words, if you think you have to score 40 to beat Alabama, you're probably losing, I believe, whether Bennett or Daniels plays there in that spot. That's a little bit of an uncomfortable truth, if it is indeed true. But I think it's my job to be as honest as I can possibly be. Like the easiest thing in the world, and maybe I've said this to you, maybe I haven't, but the easiest thing in the world would be for me to take the opinion that I'm hearing over and over again, recycle it as my own, say, Kirby Smart's an idiot because he won't play JT Daniels. I get all kinds of likes and all kinds of, you know, whatever, pats on the back. Ah, oh, B.A., you're, you're, um, you know, you're telling it like it is. But what I'm really doing is telling you what you want to hear. The uncomfortable truth is, hey, that maybe right now Georgia's only chance of winning a national championship is being a little bit unorthodox in compared to teams that have won it recently. And that's not an impossible task, given the fact that one of the teams that's in the playoff, in fact, the team that Georgia's playing on Saturday, or I should say on December 31st, also made the playoff in slightly unorthodox fashion. Better quarterback, C.J. Stroud, will be watching Michigan on TV because Michigan used running game and defense to beat the Ohio State Buckeyes. And maybe Georgia will have a chance to do the same thing. It's not as easy to do if you had elite quarterback, elite wide receiver play. That would make things a lot easier. But just because it's not as easy as it possibly could be doesn't mean you're not going to go out there and try at all. And Georgia's obviously going to give it its best shot. And by the way, even in 2017, when Georgia was in the playoff, the offensive revolution for college football was already kind of underway. Yeah, Georgia still almost won. I know almost not the same thing as winning, but almost won with defense first, running the football, and as little passing as they could get away with. Game was played in the 20s, and ultimately Georgia came up just short. So so it's it's not it's not true to say it's impossible to win unless you've got uh, uh, you know Bryce Young at quarterback when you know Georgia almost won in 2017 with a far different kind of profile. It'd be easier to have the great quarterback, and I'd say as long as Georgia keeps winning at the clip that it is now, one day it's going to have a quarterback like that. But I'm not convinced it currently has one that's keeping him on the bench. That just doesn't seem to be very logical. I think that JT Daniels could and maybe should get a shot. If nothing else, just to try something different. Why wouldn't you try everything at your disposal? But if Smart doesn't do that, I assume there must be a good reason why. But one way or another, my vow to you is, until Smart says something to make it relevant again, I won't bring that topic up. And until something happens with Alabama to make it relevant for Georgia once again, or until Georgia earns its way back for an Alabama rematch, we won't mention Alabama again in the context of Georgia until we need to. Next week, it's all about early signing period. It's all about the Michigan Wolverines. And those are two 
very weighty, very meaty topics, very much worthy of our discussion. Thanks for being here for R.S. Andrews Podcast School Down Today. Enjoy your weekend. Check out R.S. Andrews online. Don't have your weekend ruined by a water heater going out or anything like that. R.S. Andrews, in many cases, can replace your water heater the same day. So find them online at rsandrews.com. Have a great weekend. We'll see you back here Monday for Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger, and we'll look forward to talking to you then.